Welcome to the TALON project. TALON stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, TALON provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. I have here with me today, Dr. Ruth Healy, and I am just going to turn it over and let Ruth introduce herself. Maybe you can tell us a bit about your background, what you do, and uh, some of your research. Um, hello, um, like Tina said, I'm Ruth. Um, I am a lecturer in geography at the University of Chester in the UK. Um, I think I've been invited to do this primarily because of my interest in students as partners um, and the research work I do in that area. Um, and so uh, yeah, I'm delighted to be here and to talk a little bit more about uh, the current situation, how we're approaching teaching. Perfect. So I've got sort of a set of questions, but Ruth, if you want to spin this in any way and talk, um, you know, just coming from the background that you have and your um, expertise in, in uh, student and staff partnerships in particular, spin where you need to. <laughs> so I guess, um, first of all, let's start with what does your teaching look like uh, in, this, in this term, in the 2020 and 21 um, semesters? Okay, so um, I think the, the, the main thing at the moment is uh, we're a little bit on our toes uh, because we're not quite sure what might happen at any moment, but I'm sure that's happening everywhere. Um, my institution um, adopted what they called the Chester Blend, uh, which is effectively a, a form of blended learning so that we have um, some asynchronous um, online materials, so work that students uh, do in their own time, um, and then we have synchronous work. Now, some of that is via what we're using, which is Microsoft Teams, um, and some of it is face-to-face. -face. We had certain plans in terms of timetabling, and then in the UK, the social distancing um, parameters moved from being two metres to one metre plus. So we were able to get a few more people into a room and that changed up a little bit how many classes we were doing with face-to-face uh, -face sessions. Um, but it's all uh, quite flexible at the moment because uh, we're just in a situation where the cases are rising um, and we're uncertain whether we might be going into another national lockdown. And I'm not entirely sure what that will mean for higher education anyways. Uh, so I think, yeah, everything is just a, a constant flexibility uh, marathon, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it seems like uh, flexibility and uncertainty are the theme pretty much everywhere. <laughs> um, so as you move into that, and I guess from your experience in the past winter term, um, what opportunities do you think are created by digital education? Well, in some ways, I'm, I'm quite excited about the opportunities. For one, my own learning, like the summer has been um, it's interesting but kind of exciting as well because it's taught me new things and um, I found new programs I'm learning all the time I, I was in a fortunate position uh, that when everything kind of happened um, towards the end of March the majority of my teaching was, was already done so I was able to attend a lot of webinars and a lot of seminars to sort of learn a bit more about what was going on um, and what we could do in terms of the online side of things um, so I, I also quite like the flipped classroom idea so the Chester blend version that we are now going there's a possibility we might be taking that forward certainly we have a new vice chancellor who has expressed an interest in that obviously things might change kind of going forwards but um there's i think quite opportunities for this sort of flipped classroom model which makes learning and teaching more flexible potentially for both students and for staff 
and also from my perspective the opportunity to use that face-to-face -face time in whatever form it is whether it's in this kind of medium or whether it's actually face-to-face -face, um that we get to spend much more time discussing ideas and thinking about things and having much more active learning and development of ideas than uh, the sort of delivery of content because that can be done already and i know the flipped classroom model um is uh, quite an old model it's been around for a long time but it's not always been um sort of common practice in a lot of institutions and this uh, is an opportunity to um, experiment with these ideas and try things out in some senses in quite a low risk environment because everybody's understanding that this is all new to everybody um, so I'm hoping that it will build capacity and build um, confidence in this for both students and staff uh, and then hopefully uh, those um, opportunities when we do see each other will be more about learning from one another and developing ideas both in terms of staff and students and students and students um, and then that content is already it's like they've got that already so they've got the ideas coming to the class but I appreciate there's a lot of challenges still within that not least of which um, being able to get that content up in a way that is interesting and engaging uh, but also in terms of motivation um, it was one of the things I've been talking with my students about doing that asynchronous work um, and getting your head around that and doing it in a timely manner relevant to the class and a lot of that is on tutors as well to emphasize why that's so important um, and make that engaging in its own right but also showing how it then connects with what we do when we do see each other so but we're all learning together hopefully <laughs> definitely so it sounds like you're using that uh, actual contact time for more sort of collaborative relationships with students and maybe actually that is a nice segue could you kind of uh, talk a little bit about the staff student partnerships and, and that idea Sure. So, um, so in my mind, um, staff student partnership is about working together um, working collaboratively um, on what we do. Um, and it's generally been my practice to uh, work in terms of active learning, but sometimes, which I think is a form of staff student par partnership. Um, but sometimes it's been more difficult within kind of constraints of and expectations of university structures. So we're quite fortunate at my institution that we don't have a sort of 50 minute lecture slot we had two hour sessions already with our students which enabled a lot more opportunity for those uh, activities and interactions but it still was you know every module had two hours of contact and then you kind of figured out what you were doing within that um and i think that um it doesn't always it, well, it's not always taken on board in the same way by some colleagues. Some colleagues will just lecture for two hours um, and I'm sure they have activities in there as well, but it's more content driven. Whereas I see that sort of face to face opportunities um, as ways of um, you know, learning what students already know and making it more research based, enabling students to identify and develop skills that are then things they can take on for take forward. Um, and it's not about just knowing stuff, which if you have a memory like me, we'll go out of your head very quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's about developing the skills to be able to actually um, you know, research things and understand issues that you can then go on and use in a future employability context. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So you talked, uh, you did touch a little bit about um, some challenges, motivation being one of them, especially. Are there other challenges that you've experienced moving to teaching online? Uh, well, I think my first week of teaching online. Huh? Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, so far. Um, we've, it's not been too well, actually. Um, 
technological challenges. Um, the things that I think we are missing a little bit uh, in terms of the discussions around let's just do it all online if it's a problem is that obviously not all people have the devices or the internet connections uh, to be able to use these kind of mediums and interact with it. There's also the issues of I think it's great to have people with their videos on but some people are in different environments where they don't want to show where they are. They're working in their own bedrooms, they're working in spare bedrooms, um, they've got family situations and so on. And that means that there are certain people, um, because of their circumstances, who may not want to verbally contribute to discussions in this kind of medium, or they don't want their videos on, which immediately, potentially, um, has the chance to disenfranchise them slightly. Um, and I think there are other ways in which you can engage uh, people in these mediums, uh, for example, through the chat function and so on, which in some ways is more interactive than some of the kind of lectures I've been to uh, when people don't want to put their hands up, but they're a bit more comfortable uh, texting, um, effectively. Um, so there's some of those sorts of challenges. Uh, technologically, um, <laughs> this happens every like first day of term anyway. Our kind of main interface, uh, we use um, our internet uh, pro programmers called Moodle. Um, I'm not sure if that's Yep, I have used that uh, before. But. Uh, that is always a little bit slow in the first week of term um, and requires a fair bit of refreshing. Um, but actually it's been a case since Tuesday, so it was only the first Monday um, when people were a bit excited, I think, to have a look at it. And of course everything's on there now, so I was a bit concerned on Monday, but it seems to be working a bit better now. Um, and um, then there's Teams um, in terms of that seems to be working okay, but then it had the hitch on Monday that um, I couldn't upload a PowerPoint and things like this. So it's the, the little technical things which if you're comfortable with things um, and have had a chance to play with stuff, you know like ways around it and you can figure out alternatives, but it knocks people's confidence if they can't figure it out. And if you're a student, particularly new to university, you're not having the chance to um, necessarily ask other people because you don't necessarily know them yet. I think that's really hard. Um, and if you're a bit more established, I think sometimes people are forgetting that you don't actually you've never use these um, interfaces before just because um, a lot of our students are supposedly digital uh, natives, um, then they don't necessarily use these kinds of technologies. And some of those are all challenges, um, but I think they're different challenges for different people depending on their particular remit of experiences beforehand. Um, and so we're always trying to kind of cater for almost, I suppose, the common situations, not necessarily the extremes of this because we can't necessarily cover everything in one go. And I suppose that's exactly the same in face-to-face -face teaching. Um, it's going to work for some and it's not for others. So it's just different learning um, challenges. Um, but also, as I say, I think there's some interesting opportunities here. I'm trying to be positive today. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's also challenging, especially for someone who's not um, not comfortable with uh, the technology. When you know, in order to get help with that, you're generally navigating to help through the technology. So that's maybe another layer of challenge there. Absolutely, and particularly at the moment. Um, so I, I do some assessments, which are, are digital assessments, uh, things like um, production of visual podcasts, audiovisual podcasts, um, and um, it worked okay at the end of last year with my um, final year students. They'd done podcasts before; they were working in a group. Um, they were they did a great job of kind of getting all this stuff done. We're now got going to have first years doing this for the first time. Um, and ideally, in the plan, we'll be face to face with them to help them with that. But of course, that might change. Um, and so uh, those kinds of 
yeah as you say like trying to connect with and ask people questions I, I think it can be more intimidating it's like I, my students will more likely I think come and knock on my door to come and see me than they would call me like I don't think I've ever had I maybe no like once I think I've had a student phone me um on, on my office phone um instead they'd rather sort of see me at the end of a class or they would want to kind of come and knock on my door and of course I'm not in my office now um or we're being asked to work from home as much as possible so it's it's a different form of interaction and a different level of confidence and to some extent these are skills that you're going to need in the workplace so it's opportunities to build those and develop those um but at the same time if you're already really nervous you know you're new at university or you don't have so much confidence in coming and talking to tutors if you don't perhaps know them that well um all of this as you say it makes it that bit more challenging a bit more complex mm -hmm. So as you move forward and try and deal with some of those issues, um, what is your most used software or tool? <laughs> well, the most used, I think, is Microsoft Teams. Uh, that's like, I've not used this before much. Um, it's now what I use all the time. Um, uh, it's a really quite useful software. I quite like it. <laughs> and what's nice, actually, is that um, I've started um, sort of messaging my students on it. Um, and I think it's nice because it's more informal than email. Um, and I think that because it pings up on our phone, perhaps in a different way, maybe than email as well. Um, my sense is that there might be greater comfort with that. Obviously, it all depends on the individual. Um, but that's kind of nice. Um, I, I like that. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably that's the number one connecting thing with students other than, you know, just normal emails and things. But um, I say I'm not sure that they really um, are unique in any way in terms of the relevant situation right now. Um, Fair enough, yeah. Um, and is Microsoft Teams, is that sort of, you said Moodle and then Microsoft Teams, are they, they basically sort of the core approved softwares for your university that you're on? Yeah, so our institution sort of went down the Microsoft route rather than um, Teams or Blackboard and things. I think. I think those people who had Blackboard as their kind of intranet um, might have gone for Blackboard or collaborate in terms of their interfaces. Um, Chester, because it had Moodle, I don't believe it had a corresponding video package. Um, okay. So that's, I think, why we went Microsoft Teams. I'm not quite sure of the decision-making process here, but we already had it anyway. Um, and I think with the number of updates that have happened with Teams over the last few, quite early on in several, a few months, things like breakout rooms, um, absolutely fantastic. Um, that was my first kind of concern, how am I going to get my students to talk in groups, because that's basically how I run every session. Um, and then um, things like being able to see more screens, the hands up button, uh, things like that. Stuff that things like Zoom, I think, maybe already had. Um, Blackboard Collaborate has this great function where you can write on like a white slide so everyone can just sort of scribble away. Um, I quite like that, but unfortunately that's not yet in Teams. So they do now have a, another tool that I'm using um, to kind of facilitate a sort of whiteboard uh, space, which um, is called Padlet, which I'm sure loads of people are like knew about this already. Um, I've only found it really in the last couple of weeks. Um, it was recommended to me months ago, but I never got around to testing out. And now I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I can work with this. I can see this working in a whole range of things. So um, yeah, that's probably my most new exciting software um, kind of going forward. <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. Um, I used it with one class on Monday and it seemed to work pretty well. Um, and um, I put it with first years tomorrow, so we'll see. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, there's always a bit of a learning curve for everyone involved, I guess. But <laughs> some of those whiteboards, um, I, ha I haven't used Padlet myself, 
but those whiteboard tools are really, really interesting and, and uh, promising, I guess, for online collaboration, for sure. Absolutely. And um, I really like the, the way that it is very collaborative and that obviously fits with my interest in terms of how I want to work with my students. And in some senses, um, when you think about the opportunities here, a Padlet where people can be writing at the same time together is probably more inclusive than like a whiteboard on one wall where you can maybe have two people writing at the same time and people might be more intimidated to be the people to go up and write on that whereas if everybody has equal access to it then there's a chance that somebody who perhaps wouldn't have gone up to the whiteboard and um, wouldn't have volunteered for that uh, would be willing to write particularly if you said it as anonymous um, so there's a little bit pressure taken off also obviously there's issues if something's anonymous and somebody wants to be a bit cheeky but there are ways <laughs> around that in terms of settings so it's okay um, there's all things again like learning this and being willing to try stuff um and i think that that comes from a certain amount of um confidence that it's going to be okay no matter what happens and that can be more difficult depending on your comfort level with technology generally um but specifically the technologies that we're working with at the moment mm -hmm. absolutely um, and then what is your favorite resource for teaching online or remote teaching? Um, in terms of resource, sort of like the entire like package and what I'm using or? I mean, this could be um, a place that you're looking to for inspiration, could be, um, you know, a resource that you go to for guidance, or it could be a tool, but you've already kind of touched on those. So however you want to take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, oh, I have to think. Uh, I mean, I went to so many webinars, um, and it's been, I can't remember necessarily who said what, it was sort of like ideas. My university has been really good at putting material together in, in a central place, and our learning and teaching conferences, obviously, <laughs> touching on the pandemic and the situation around this. Um, and so I guess in terms of like immediate advice, particularly on the technologies that I am using, then my university has put together a lot of really useful resources uh, for me to go and uh, check on and see what's possible. Uh, particularly as um, the different packages we have have had these new updates uh, going on. I appreciate that's not particularly necessarily useful to people who are watching this. So um, in terms of what would I go to? Um, like Google can be very useful. I just searched for um, online icebreakers and found great things that Ed also recommended Padlet a lot. So I was like, okay, this must be something I should look into. Um, and there were some really good things. Um, so uh, what did I use with my students um, on Monday with their hopes and fears for the module? Um, and I know I've seen some people on Twitter uh, using, uh, talking about like um, the fears I think of their students to try and sort of sense, get that sense over of like how much people are dealing with that, you know, we're so focused on you've got to get this teaching bit done, forgetting all of the other stuff that people are having to deal with in life generally, but also in the context of a global pandemic. Um, uh, and so like the online icebreakers and things was, was great to do a quick Google and it was really useful to get a sense for my students and that's where this sort of concern around uh, motivation for the asynchronous learning uh, came out, um, which should have been obvious to me, I think, beforehand. But again, I was so busy making the asynchronous materials, I forgot that people might actually not thoroughly enjoy just sitting down and getting on with work. Whereas if they're like, I have a timetable slot and I'm going to this timetable slot, it's kind of part of their timetable, part of their structure. Um, and so it was just sort of talking through the students' possible ways in which they might deal with that. Um, 
And then I think, uh, as I sort of said it there, Twitter can be actually really useful. Um, it can also be, you know, a quite a hellish space, but it can also <laughs> give you some really useful ideas and tips and tricks uh, for doing things. It's like you just have to filter out the less happy areas um, around it. That's great. I think the icebreaker uh, idea is even just Googling that is wonderful because, um, you know, a lot of the challenge around it is just how do we navigate this new culture, right? How do we understand how to interact with each other? And um, like you say, a lot of people are busy stressing about the nitty gritty of it and, and not thinking yeah. about how it's actually going to function, right? So I think that's wonderful. One of the examples that um, I used with um what we call personal academic duties, which are sort of like our students who we're kind of responsible for their academic welfare. Um, when I met those last week, um, it was a, a, one of these ideas from this online um, example. Um, and um, it was uh, basically post three links to things that you related to your hobbies and then everyone else had to guess what your hobbies were. It was great, not only because it was you know, getting people to think about other things than just the academic side of it, but it introduced them to the functions of the platform we were using. So they had to find the chat bar and they had to be able to sort of like read it, comment on it, work on opening up their microphone so they could say something, put a video on and things. So it was introducing them to this, the medium that we're going to be using at the same time as doing something which was a bit of an icebreaker. So it, it worked really well. And that was thanks to Google <laughs> and online finding a decent article. Um. Yeah, wonderful. So given all these challenges and opportunities and things, um, and then considering, obviously, we don't even know what it's going to look like in the next month. <laughs> um, or weeks sometimes. Or weeks, yeah, absolutely. Um, but in the broader picture, what do you expect higher education might look like in 10 years? <laughs> Such a good question. Um, it is. <laughs> um, I think, what do I expect or what do I hope? That might be a slightly different thing. Um, I think that there is really great potential for um, partnership working on the back of this. One of the things that um, I noticed uh, very early on in the pandemic was how much my students were caring about my welfare um, in terms of the context of things. So I had much longer meetings with them. They were being kind of literally brought into my home um, at the same time as I was being brought into theirs. And it, it has that opportunity to recognize that you know, the power relations that are inherent in a lot of higher education structures when it comes to the really important stuff, we're all, without sounding like the government, in it together. Um, it's, we are very much connected um, and we were all experiencing this at the same time. And I think it had um, a very much a leveling um, experience. Um, I don't know if that's possible to kind of continue because those inherent structures kind of keep coming back and um, keep sort of being developed in different ways particularly as um, inevitably the academic experience um, and knowledge and understanding of um, these platforms becomes more so are we're more confident with it than sort of incoming students. Um, but I would hope uh, that it has the opportunity to recognize and break down those barriers in order to enhance the ways in which we can work with students um, and that students recognize their expertise in, in what we're doing. Um, and then we might be able to sort of work on creating these more knowledge and learning based communities um, by having opportunities to interact with each other in different ways that aren't necessarily so focused on the kind of stage on stage model that is so predominant in just the word lecture um, and if this flipped classroom 
idea in some format, maybe not in its entirety for everybody, because I again appreciate different tutors, different students are going to enjoy learning in different ways. But if we can keep some of that so that when we kind of are back to being able to be face to face on a much more regular basis, um, and preferably without masks, because that's making communication interesting, um, then hopefully uh, there'll be more time for those development of those interactions and just literally time to get to know one another. Um, and that would be really nice. And that would hopefully helpfully <laughs> um, break down some of those barriers um, and give the opportunity for greater partnership in a whole range of different areas. So that's my hope. I'm not sure it's my expectation, but I'm going to go through <laughs> with the hope. <laughs> hope is good, especially in a time like this. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <at> the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. You have answered all the questions that I had. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation? I don't think so. It's been okay. nice to talk to you um, <laughs> and learn about uh, what you've been uh, doing. Um, but yeah, thank you for inviting yeah. me. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been really wonderful talking with you. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at talencloud.ca. The Talon project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.